when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It's January 7th, 2022. Ah, 2022? Yeah. That, that feels weird to say. I'm ha- I've been having trouble with that as well. I like find 2022. myself. Like, so, so, I've never had this happen verbally, but, you know, back in the right in the check days, which I only do like once in a blue moon, which is like, you know, we get over writing the, the year. But now for some reason, 2022 keeps slipping, slipping me up. I think in part it doesn't help that 2019 was the last time it felt like a year rolled over in a normal way. (laughs) And to an extent, we've just lived in 2020 ever since. Uh, And that, that, that is not that help. That feeling is not helped by the fact that uh, I don't know how it is where, where y'all are, but like the streets here are empty the way they were like early in the pandemic, like it's real bad in Massachusetts. And so like mask mandates are back in uh, lots of places have just like closed or working reduced hours. Uh, like not much indoor dining is still happening. Um, and so I was, you, out know, this you know, you know, shit is real like, when the, the, the little Caesars is like, please don't come in the door. Please place yeah. your order online. I was like, I was like, oh damn, you know that where goes little Caesars, there goes the nation. And like little Caesars does not want you coming in to get your hot, what the hot ready, right? That's hot their that's that's their whole thing. Pizza, pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they call it twenty twenty two because it's the second twenty twenty. Yeah, the yes. first twenty twenty was twenty twenty one, and twenty twenty. Well, we're gonna was- get it right this time. <laughs> Uh, we're going to get it right this time, and fuck, <laughs> I, I'm skipping ahead. There's our segue. Hey, that's Patrick Klepping. You heard our producer, Ricardo Contreras. This is episode 452. I'm Rob Zachney. I'm your host. Uh, but, Patrick, you've been playing a game that's all about <laughs> getting shit pa- right, right the right, second time. We're done time. with COVID. All right. Just, <laughs> Rob, Rob much, much like the United States, has said, well, I, I've, oh, I've identified an off-ramp. Like, we're done with that. <laughs> Can we talk about games instead? An off-ramp. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the off-ramp is everyone's going to get infected. Um, uh, sorry, Rob, what was... Can finish, finish your segue. What am I playing? I mean, you did You did end up playing The Forgotten City, right? I did play The Forgotten City, yeah. Um, during, well, it's funny. This ties into COVID, uh, which is that um, my kid's school, which is my oldest in kindergarten, it wasn't getting out until, like... The two weeks I was off, like there was one week where both kids, uh, it was, she needed me. My kids were gone. My wife was not off work yet. I had this moment in front of me where like three, four days of, I don't have anything to do. I uh, can't go anywhere. Nor in, in, in non-COVID times, I'm like, oh, I'll just take my kids out, you know, and go do something fun with them. Like we'll go to a, a bouncy castle or something like can't, nah, can't. 
can't do that. And I was like, I just have three or four days where I'm going to, you know, wake up at 630, drop the kids off at, at eight. And I come home and it's just like, what, what, what do you want to do with the day? I found that daunting. I actually found like, I have not been in that position for any, for years. Um, like sometimes you get an isolated afternoon or a, a morning or whatever, but like to just have eight hours of what's up, man? Like, how you feeling? It's like, I don't, I don't know how I'm feeling. And so <laughs> I, I'd already done my game of the year list and, uh, I was like, well, I'm going to watch a mixture of movies. I was done with I, mine too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, I was still working on his from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Most award game of the year list should come out in January anyway. Yeah. Um, so like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? God, God, okay. Well, I didn't tw- mine published in late December and then I tweeted about it in early January. So, you know, roughly the same thing. Um, Making another twine game, which is why it's taking me extra time. Uh, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> And uh, so I, I had a list of, you know, games I, I wanted to check out just for my own, like, personal interest. And like, one that, like, people had, like, kind of bugged me, a bunch of us, uh, about over the years uh, was uh, The Forgotten City, which is originally a Skyrim mod, I believe, and then became its own uh, project over – well, go, go find more details. No Clip did a, you know, a mini-doc about, about it recently. I'm sure you can find more details about its development. But the short version is Skyrim mod becomes – uh, uh, like a uh, full-fledged uh, spinoff product. It's uh, a game in which you are, you wake up on kind of the shore of a river. Uh, there is uh, someone there that says, hey, you know, I, I found you. Like, are you okay? You're not really sure what the deal is. Um, they they tell you that, uh, that someone else had washed up on the shore as well. And, you know, could you go fetch them around the corner? And then they they'll hop you in their boat and uh, like that kind of canoe, like they came across you while you were, um, while they were going down the river, Uh, go find them. And then we'll like get you back to civilization, get you patched up. Um, And then as you kind of work your way over, uh, you like find this little temple. And as you interact with like some, some writing there, uh, you like fall through a hole and you are (laughs) transported. Yeah. You're transported to, uh, you know, it's an ancient, you know, Roman city hidden away from from the world, um, full of very Skyrim-looking NPCs. Like the, 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 <laughs> these sky, these Skyrim roots of this game run deep, um, in a way that is like extremely charming. Uh, I thought, but uh, you uh quickly come to realize that this city uh is like run under this very draconian rule, which is that if any sin is committed uh, a series of angels will appear uh, and turn everyone into gold forever. Um, and, and you know that this is for real because on your way into the town, mm-hmm. like after you get dumped through the hall, you end up in the ruins of the city. You, 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 you're going through like a shattered city where there's a bunch of like, People in various stages of freak out <laughs> yes. who've been gold fingered. So they're very much um, going, oh, no. And then they have turned in to gold, you know, suggesting that whatever, uh, you know, uh, the policy that is currently in place in this city maybe has been violated in the past. And uh, uh, there are, are visual reminders throughout that uh, this is real. And if you commit a sin, uh then, you know, this is what you'll be subject to. So basically, you're brought in, you meet, like, the leader of the city. There's an election coming up over whether this previous uh, ruler, who's been very strict, 
about the the sin rule uh, should stick around, or if someone uh, Amadel should should come into to office, and you're basically charged with coming in to fit, to get out. Um, it goes from there. There's like a lot that I don't want to touch on in terms of like the like more practical nature of, of what's happening. But this is a time loop story, and so you're basically going in for X amount of time, learning a bunch of information from various NPCs about how the loop of this uh, world works, then coming back into it and using that information to advance various storylines, manipulate various storylines, and achieve one of, I think, five endings. You know, it, it works the way a lot of these kind of, like, multiple ending stories work where there are, like, bad ends, unexpected ends, and then there's sort of a true end um, once you have all the information, all the manipulation uh, at your fingertips um, that allows you to sort of see sort of what are the games like true canonical ending where you learn uh quite a bit more about like what's what's going on here uh i really enjoyed it um you know i'm not a, a philosophy major so i don't know where i come down on the games like commentary or <laughs> like uh inspection of like what is or isn't a sin but as a time loop puzzle game i found the forgotten city to be in, like incredibly charming and interesting and it's like four hours long like it was like a just like in and out and like mm, that was great uh that was weird uh i wish more games had the courage to be uh this short and this effective oh and because i was definitely poised for like they're like there's 23 people in this town or whatever and so i was like that's going to take a while to unravel what's going on here. Like just imagine, like, you know, think about however long it took me to sort out. Um, oh gosh. Um, the movie, the, the game about the boat, the, the, uh, the return boat. of the oh. Lord. Then. Yeah. That yeah. game is that that's a, that's a game ass game. That game was, goes on for like 15, 20 hours. Doesn't it? Yeah, and like, because basically, like every single character, except for some of like the miscellaneous crew, where it's like, and these eight dudes all got killed by the tentacle monster all at once. <laughs> Marked in it's one like scene. mystery solved. <laughs> but, yeah, but like for mo- for the most part, it's like every single character. You're like, what the fuck happened to this guy? Uh, and so it's kind of like because I've been playing it a little bit too, um, and I'm with you. Like, I find it unexpectedly charming. It was a game I saw at PAX. Uh, gosh. Must have been 2019. At least, at least two years ago. <laughs> uh, and oh, I was, it, 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 this was not a game that was going to show well at PAX, right? I'm standing there, oh, right. like show floor is just like uh, booming noises. I'm trying to follow this like really contemplative, mellow little mystery story. Um, it's got, if you remember the the Rome Total War soundtrack, the original, it's like the title music and the map music from that game runs throughout this game. It's, it's mm-hmm. it kind of sounds like it's very chill, very relaxing. But uh, yeah, I was sort of like the vibe I was getting was wow, there's, there's gonna be like twenty three different mysteries I have to unravel in this town to figure out like what's all going on, who's who's breaking the golden rule. Uh, I'm kind of relieved to hear that it's only a few hours uh, and that it's yeah. Not I mean, like, there's like like your your mileage may vary on like where you want. Like there'll be a certain point where you sort of understand, ah, like I, I I know what I have to do. I could go do X, Y, and Z and then set up what is clearly like the, the end game. And then a lot of the fun becomes, well, I have this information. Like what if I did this thing in this different order? And like in the game being smart enough to realize that, give you different dialogue um, uh, outputs as a result. And so 
Uh, a lot of the fun of the game is like deciphering those outcomes. And <laughs> the game actually has like a, a very, a, a really, really effective. I'm not sure how, how far you've gotten into to the loops, uh, uh, Rob. So I did some experimenting with the loops to see like what they will like. First, of all, I was really curious. The first thing they're they're doing is like, well, people aren't really sure what a sin is. Like we haven't really tested it. And I was like, I'm gonna test it. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, and yeah, you can you can like right from the start just like go grab like there are items that, that in a very Skyrim fashion that says like red uh, red text steel and it's like well let's let's see what happens like grab steel and you just hear like a booming voice that's like I forget what the the dialogue is but it's just like you fucked up and it's not that but it's basically that and then all of these you know like kind of like angelic golden archers appear and start shooting all of the town's residents turning them into gold and then it's your job to get back to this portal and jump in that and start the loop again but the, the important part that's like a it's, it's interesting to point out like how the loop works you can take things forward so like mm. the loop does not begin you from uh basic zero so like there are certain items that uh, upon the first loop are expensive and i was like well how would i even earn money and then doing one of Just the got bags well so <laughs> doing one of the side activities or like npcs i was investigating uh, i went up and checked out their room and opened up uh, like their personal chest and it was like hey if you the game was in the ui indicating you do this like you're gonna trigger the goal like yes this game is about what is the golden rule what is a sin how do we determine that isn't it sort of that seems pretty arbitrary in terms of what that be but then the game is like yeah but like if you open this chest dude it's going to be a sin and so you <laughs> you open it but then it'll be like yo here's 5,000 gold coins or like whatever the, the the currency is is in the game and you can take that and then sprint to the portal and like oh, take that 5,000 coins with you to the next loop. I'm making a note of where I'm finding cash <laughs> and so once I give myself the signal I got a little shopping or something like that like the little Nickelodeon toy run where I'm gonna have a strategy I'm gonna be like bursting into someone's home golden arches be cutting people down I'll be like sorry about killing your entire city I need this cash have you have you talked to the bartender who's like uh, directly to the left uh like one of the first areas there's like a there's a when you open the game like you go down the left hand path there's like a yeah. woman kind of speaking in tongues or like she's confused and then if you follow her there's a bartender go look upstairs like you won't have to memorize anything ever again Rob <laughs> nice <laughs> um and so you can bring items forward you can bring money forward you're bringing information forward and then as you solve quests um you might be asking yourself okay well Boy, wouldn't it be possible that this game could get awfully repetitive where it's like you need to go repeat tasks A, B, and C again in order to trigger something really far down the chain? And the game smartly anticipates that. And there's this character you meet as soon as you come in. He's like the the welcomer. He's like, whoa, where did you come from, stranger? And uh, he's this very uh, delightful uh, gardener uh, character. And when you come through the loop a second time... uh, you can just instruct his ass to go do things, which is like, hey, you know, X thing that I've already solved. Like, could you go do that? Y thing that I've already done. Could you go do that? And he's just a nice guy. He was like, I don't know why. How could you no one have all these things? But 
I'm I'm on it. Like, I'll go do this for you. So you can sort of like set up chains of events that you've already accomplished um, and then, uh, you know, go about doing something else because you you want to know if past that part of the loop something triggers that you want to want to play around with. Dude, so, after death loop and 12 minutes, the ways this game saves your time yes. and just like <laughs> accepts like, yeah, I know you fucking got it. And it's like, yes, I do got it. We do not need to do this again. I am so like the first time I realized that like every conversation option had like really smart short circuit the conversation to get to a new state or like bring that person up to speed without having to speed through dialogue. Uh, it was just a godsend. And I think it says a lot. The second time you meet, uh, what's his name? Galerius. Yeah. A little farmer dude. He's also like, Oh man, I don't know. You know, all this stuff. Hey, check out my zip line. And I was <laughs> <Yeah>. like, fucking yeah. <laughs> he also, he also has this like almost fourth wall breaking line where he says, Hey, if you're tired of talking to me, like just say this and like and like we could just stop doing this. Like like the, it's the game like is just really smart. It feels like it's played by humans, which is like how would someone respond to the repetition of a time loop? And then how do we respect their time as they continue to go through that loop? And I mean, you can you can trigger like his actions and they'll go watch him do it. Like it's not like it just happens in a blink. Like as you're nearing the end state and you're, you're choosing to, to enact those or not enact those for, for different reasons. Um, you can go walk and watch him, like go do the little bits and like have the, and you'll hear conversations that you don't even need to hear. Like it doesn't, it's there to like, to be a function for the, the player. But if you follow him, you can hear him have completely optional conversations with NPCs about the action you've sent him to do. And so one, one of the loops, I just like followed him around and just kind of listened to, like how people reacted to what he was doing. And it's just just a really, really smartly uh, written, designed uh, game. And and the, and the ending is, you really, you, you got, you have to, you have to see, I, I think they stick the landing in so far. I, I don't like how mechanically it works. I ended up referencing a guide because to get to, it's the one point in the game where they don't, like there's a fail state that is extremely frustrating and I didn't understand why I was hitting it. And to get to that moment again required me to do enough work that I was like, all right, like, all right, game, I've done it. Like, I know what you want me to do. For some reason, I'm not doing the exact thing. So I looked it up and how to navigate a certain thing. And it was still extremely satisfying. I The explanation they have for, like, how this world works, why it works, the nature of the golden rule and sinning, I, I thought was, pre- was pretty good. Again, I, you know... I don't know that the game, I don't even know that the game is all that interested. Like it explores the nature of like sin and rules and morality. Ah, like, you know, (laughs) I I could kind of take it, take or leave that part of it. I just think it's a smart, fun story. And the puzzle stuff is both light enough, but also intense enough to like really have grabbed my attention from, from start to finish a game. I also finished like in a single day. I was like, Oh, Wow! Look, look, this is incredible. This is this what do people do this all the time? Where they just like start a game and finish it like really quickly? Um, can't imagine. Can't what? imagine. Uh, not so, my life. Yeah, I I want to play more. We'll we'll talk about it more because something yeah. I'm already interested in is like um, stoicism is coming up a lot in this, uh, where there's different like at least the the Roman Stoic philosophy is represented a lot here, and like 
the the sentius camp uh which is sort of the people who are are uh big supporters of the current magistrate um are very much like stoics and believe in like traditional roman virtues mm-hmm. and you have different options when it comes to like debating people like that or like mm-hmm. sort of reacting to their worldview. And I am curious what else might be in the game. Cause like the, the one thing that gave me pause back when this was sh- uh, shown to me at PAX was like one of the designers from dear villagers uh, was sort of talking about like a big inspiration for this was his interest in stoicism and, and stoic philosophy. And I get it. I do. Uh, but also the thing is, and this is me sort of putting on my classicist hat a bit. Roman virtues were always honored more in the breach than the observance. Like they're a deeply hypocritical people. (laughs) And so like to study Roman Stoics and Stoic philosophy is often to study people who were kind of full of shit. And so like, I've been kind of curious to see how the game is going to navigate this. Cause part of this is about like, well, it's simple. We just, we just don't sin and we'll be all good, but it's, it's tricky to know, you know, who is the ultimate arbiter of that morality? Stealing will trigger the end, but then you hear that the, um, the dude who's trying to overthrow the mayor basically in the next election is like openly electioneering on a campaign of bribery and intimidation and nothing's happened yet. Uh, so it, I'm, I'm really the game, curious. The game has, the game has an answer for that. Uh, is what I'll say. I like, if only to, to tease you, to make sure you see it to, to the end. Um, there, there is a, mm, I don't know if rational, but there is an exp- there is an explanation for, the, the, the rules of this world and that that gets into like the ending of the game almost feels uh like I don't I didn't have watched the doc I don't know where like the writing on this like the the premise like the ending feels like where the game started and then built out a, like how do we get to, how do we yeah. get to this point I think that'll that'll make more sense when you experience yeah. that um but uh the, like the tone of the player character is Yes, you can debate them, but like the whole tone of the writing is fuck off. Like that, and you can almost <laughs> basically say that like dozens of times when you encounter someone who is trying to present the like that ver like that version of morality um, that you're describing as though like it's rational and makes sense and like isn't full of like uh, holes like Swiss cheese. Um, uh, and uh, and a lot of your response to that is not so much like a debate debate me, bro. Although the game does have those those moments, um, uh, it's it's more like you just seem like an asshole, and what you're doing is for assholes. Uh, <laughs> so I'll, you kind of have to see it all the way through to to kind of discover the through line they have there, which I think is is, is it is it is certainly a swing. Um, so I'll, you'll have to you'll have to let we'll revi- maybe we'll put a put a pin in this now, and yeah. we'll have to revisit it when um, you finish it. But it's on Game Pass; it's a couple hours long. Um, I, I would definitely, there are, there are endings to this that feel, uh, like an ending, but I would really encourage you to make sure you see all the way to like ending five. Like the, at the, when you get an ending, it like puts a little timeline chart and you can clearly see like something at the end 
make sure you see the see the one all the way at the end. It's it's not that much more effort uh, to to get all the way there. And then just if you get tired of the mechanic that it employs, just pull up the the guide and do what I did and just make sure you can see how it all how it all wraps up. All right. So that is the uh, Forgotten City from Dear Villagers, and yeah, pretty uh, pretty easy enough to find and get. And is yeah, if you're put off like I was by how rough it looked, uh, it like in in release form, I think it's firmly on the more charming than not side of things. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it doesn't feel and it doesn't you don't feel this the ancient Skyrim bones until you talk to an NPC and they begin to talk to you. And it's just <laughs> but like, even then, like the voice acting is just good enough and yep. the writing is good enough that yep. like you also get into you know, there's a lot to be said for people who are just like decently rendered talking heads who don't like have to do a whole lot of like scene blocking and shit. Where yep. it's just like I'm just gonna chill back here. This person's going to talk. It's going to be all intelligible and going to navigate this like really simple conversation tree. And then we're going to be done. Uh, I'm like this. This approach has a lot to recommend it. Some (laughs) some limitations are good. Yeah. Yes. It is a a game where frequently you talk to a person, do all the dialogue in front of you. Check. You're good. You can you can move on. So you have very clearly unlocked something else that would give you a reason to come back. But it is it is very tight and concise. Uh, from from top to, to bottom, which is, you know, probably in some ways a, an extension of the size of the team and it's starting as a mod and becoming a full release. But sometimes those constraints work to, a, you know, to the benefit. And I, that is definitely the case here. So, Kato, as I understand it, uh, Patrick's out there beating games. <laughs> and... Jesus. You were too, right? You 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 crossed off League of Legends, Cross. Destiny 2. Be- beaten, finished. Done. Yeah. Checkmarked. I've played games that are impossible to finish. Well, I guess technically. So, you so can tell Destiny. tell me of your your <laughs> holiday gremlining. Where did this? <sighs> you finally had time. Well, except you you also ended up on a boat. Yeah, I ended up. Explain on a to me the boat, boat real quick. You went on a cruise. Yeah, my my sister works for a cruise, and cruises were allowed to reopen. And so she got our family a cruise for the Christmas break. Oh no! I just guess you guys, uh, just you guys in are all time fun. Yeah. to be a per- a perfect place to hang out inside with people. Luckily, the decks they had lots of open space on the different decks on the cruise, where I spent a lot of time being away from other people outside. <laughs> Letting the sea wind carry all the Omicron away from me. <laughs> you weren't just like in people's faces, uh, like trash talking them during shuffleboard. Oh God, no! I didn't even go near the shuffleboard. I played mini golf though. Uh, they they required vaccinations to get on the cruise at least, and like everyone got a rapid test on the way in. Still not enough measures to really know. Oh wow! I thought they <laughs> yeah. had freedom in Florida. <laughs> no, I oh, thought I, that God. was like the whole thing. Where like Santis was fighting with the yeah cruise ships for a long time being where DeSantis was like nah you can't require those things and the cruise ships he's running like, up gangways <laughs> ripping masks off yeah, people just I mean basically like it was like one of those weird, weird moments in which you know in, in, yeah, in a state like Florida where you have you know dipshit like DeSantis running around uh, I think there's some clip yesterday of him having a horrifying coughing fit that's like does he just have COVID and he's just <laughs> he's like I can't admit it ah, be, be strong be strong <laughs> if I just but ignore yeah, it yeah. it'll go away <laughs> <laughs> like the cruise ships like threatened him and like actually like shifted around their weight to the point that he was forced to 
either uh, relent or like lost in the courts. And they were like, no, we're going to require people to do, do at least some bare minimum to get on, on these ships. Yeah, it is really, it was really the bare minimum. And luckily we, we went through, I'm more scared for my sister who is still on those ships working. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. at least they have to, the staff has to like every two days get another rapid test. But it's still hell. Um, <laughs> but so that was half of the time I was off. And then the other half of the time I was off, I decided to play every live service slash MOBA game that I hadn't touched. Every MMO slash MOBA game that I hadn't uh, like kept up with. I'm catching up with, basically. Like Even Destiny... Which was the one I was I'm the most caught up with. I was behind on the season. Like I hadn't played any of the story stuff, so caught up on that. I started League of Legends more seriously. Like started actually playing League of Legends with uh, a group of people who were already playing. Which is the only way I think to learn a new MOBA is to have four other people who regularly play, anyways. Um, but you're thinking right on one of many issues why I just often <laughs> slide off those things right at the start. Um, the only one that I, I feel like. Uh, escaped that was uh, Pokemon, but that's like if you have enough knowledge of what Pokemon are, you can kind of yeah, like no, that, slide that, into that. Was that. Just, what you described there was you just wrecking children. Yeah, it was great. Uh, like it, was, <laughs> it was like there's a bunch of like non MOBA literate people out there that's just chum in the bucket. And I love Charizard. But, uh, it's a free game with Charizard. Yay! Do the fireball. Kato just bursting from the brush. Being yeah. like, learn the jungle, you sack of shit. Surprise, motherfuckers. Here's Gengar. Um, it, it's gotten. I feel like a lot of those people have been mostly weeded out. Uh, if uh, my climb this past season was anything to to gauge by, it was actually harder to get into masters. I think this time around. Um, but I did that. That is kind of a finishing, actually. Honestly, I hit the top level in Pokemon Go. I was like, ah, a Pokemon Unite, uh, like rank mode. And I was like, I, I'll wait until next season to keep playing, unless like people that like you know i play with want to play anymore but that climb can be seriously bad alone which i had to do a a little bit of do not recommend playing a moba with four strangers (laughs) uh but at least pokemon unite is only 10 minutes so it's like only a little bit frustrating instead of majorly frustrating uh league of legends though was um is a is a real interesting time because the people i play with all play uh a ram all random all mid which is kind of great and hor it's great in this specific instance where i have four people but would be horrible otherwise because it's you know you don't you don't pick who you're playing completely random which um in some ways is great for league because in league you have to unlock all the characters before you can play them in a ram you it'll just give you whatever um oh, yeah. so you kind of learn past what is currently unlocked on your account which is good to know because I think one of the best ways to understand uh, MOBAs is to actually just get a little bit of time with all the characters so that you know what's incoming. You've been on the in the in the driver's wheel of that character, so to speak. That's kind of the easiest way, other than like uh, aside from trying to memorize what everyone does just from like reading their stat sheets and shit. Like that, I find impossible. But like, so this has been great. I get a little bit of uh, practice. It's also like low impact as far as like time wise. It's a little shorter because instead of a whole ass map, there's literally one 
bridge between two like bases and like all the fighting is happening it's just team fights the game mode (laughs) all the time so it doesn't really teach you about any of the laning aspects of a regular game but it lets you try out a bunch of the characters um real quick just because i was like i actually want to go back to the cruise thing for just one second (laughs) yeah before i move on from this great setting aside the fact that like it's a terrible time to be on cruise ships Uh and covid and all that is it fun you know, you have fun where you're like, you know, I'm on a boat. Yeah, I think it sounds awesome. I'd love I think a cruise sounds like it would rule it. I mean, it depends. It depends on the cruise. I feel like the, the whole point of this cruise normally is like you're spending some time on the boat, but mostly you're sleeping on the boat and then the boat is at an island and you go to the island and the island is where you spend your day. Right. And it's like, oh, shit, look at this beautiful island in the middle of the caribbean it's very nice here white sand beaches water as clear as fucking you know crystal uh and it's i think that part is really nice um for some reason this one because it happened over christmas they decided to add a day where we just did circles in the ocean uh which was on Christmas Day, because they assumed everyone, I guess, would just, like, celebrate with their families in their, like, kind of very small hotel rooms on the ship. Uh, and that part made me realize, actually, the being on the boat part isn't as great as, I think, like, I feel like that's the least important part of a cruise. <laughs> um, I did play mini golf. That was fun. But really, I think especially given that, you know, Omicron was spiking, I didn't want to go to any of the activities. Yeah. I didn't want to be indoors with other people. Uh, and so it's hard to gauge whether or not I would have enjoyed that more outside of those um, bounds. Because, uh, again, the activities are also like, I don't know, pub trivia or karaoke. <laughs> it feels like things I can do offland with people that are in my COVID bubble already or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, I feel like I feel like the yeah, like. Specifically, a lot of the activities that are on a cruise seem more suited. Well, I guess it depends on your family dynamic. But things you'd, yeah. you'd rather be on your cruise, a cruise with a bunch of friends than you would want to be with your family. Uh, oh, absolutely. I think is is, is the, the, the vibe <laughs> I've always got. Now, granted, like, granted, like I, the part of uh, my wife's family, like their family is super fun. And like so going with them on a cruise would be like going with a bunch of friends and you would have a good time in that same way. Not everyone's family dynamics are like that. And so how often do you want to go sing Purple Rain uh, with your family uh, having a a rum for the seventh Uh, night in a row? I don't don't know. (laughs) They also... No, it's not even to say you don't like your family. It's just like, that's not what we do. It's also... uh, It was a uh, Disney cruise, my sister works for disney because she's a Hell actress yeah. and does a lot of you know character stuff take my kids next time um which meant that the karaoke was weirdly like <laughs> i i like tried three different songs and none of them were there it's um like, they keep trying every time i go to, to, to sing this david bowie song i keep having to sing under the sea <laughs> <laughs> um I think the yeah, it was really nice to be on an island because an islands are outdoors, <laughs> and you yeah, know, those beaches sound beautiful. The beaches were yeah, they were really great, and it was uh, warm, but not hot. It was it was perfect temperature. Honestly, it was it was beautiful. Yeah. 
I love that part. Being on a boat, not so, not so much, not as much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe just go to an island next time. Just go like to an, an island. island. <laughs> go, yeah, go to an all inclusive on an island. Oh, and- that's the other thing. The island that we went to was very tiny. Um, but apparently the rumor is that it used to be, uh, one of Pablo Escobar's like hopover islands. There's a landing strip on it, uh, that is still there and you can ride your bike up and down it. Um, but it's not used for, do we believe that? I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things where like probably any, like any island with, with the right wind direction where you could put an airstrip, probably saw some smuggling activity uh, <laughs> at various points throughout the century. But I don't know if like, it, it's, it's like a, like in, in, um, you know, on the East coast, the whole George Washington slept here thing where there's a million places that claim like some brush with greatness. And I kind of wonder if there's a similar thing with Escobar. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, I, it, Oh yeah, no, he totally was like, this is one of his, his uh, trafficking hubs. And it's like, Man, you're only saying that because Narcos blew up. <laughs> I, I wonder because it's because it's a Disney like thing, right? It's uh, that island also on lease to Disney from the Bahamas for a hundred years, which didn't know they could do that. So Disney technically owns it. Well, wow, that's now. like a U.S. naval base lease agreement <laughs> where it's yeah. just like, yep, yeah, we don't. We're not saying we own this, but, but. <laughs> essentially, um. I feel like they would, they would not want that connection because it's so Disney. Only, yeah. So I don't know. I don't see I mean, them purposefully spreading that unless people hear about it and it was actually true. I don't know. It seems right. It seems the right distance is the thing. No, I, I looked at a map and I was like, yeah, the, the Disney Cocaine Island theme park <laughs> would intrigue me though. However, like mm-hmm. imagine the Imagineers taking on the problem <laughs> of creating your 1980s uh, Miami Vice fever dream. Check out Manhunting yeah. uh, to hear me and Dia and Alex talk about uh, Miami Vice. <laughs> but I for I for one could get behind that where it's like the, the Imagineers have come through and it is now forever uh, Miami in the 80s on this little island that we've leased for 100 years. And our, I would and our, ra- and our rated Imagineers theme park Sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> Just give me give me Disney after dark. They flip all those. They flip all the kids movies away. And, it, and it's just a bunch at 11 of- at 11 p.m. Every night, the police station is stormed uh, by <laughs> <laughs> a jailbreak unfolds the police station. Ima- like, imagine- God, give me a give me a whole the Imagineers unleash them on the thing. Where's my thing exhibit? That'd be it'd be a beautiful, a beautiful uh, they used to have an alien one uh, thing. At Disney? At Disney, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which oh, was bizarre. Oh, oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to that once uh, when I was a kid. It's yeah, like, why? Movie. Who, like, who really gave them this? Alien? Yes, yeah. yes. No. <laughs> yes, the xenomorph. Actually... The actual xenomorph. Here's the thing. In two places in Disney, one of them was in MGM Studios. They did this, like, tour through, like, old movies or whatever, and, like, it went back as far as, like, Gone with the Wind, and then, like, came up through like modern times and there was a section that was aliens aliens uh oh so that's different than there's a disney there's a disney or what the one that's the alien escape that one like you were sitting in a chair yeah i don't that was xenomorph it was it absolutely was i remember Mm. i have to look this up it was in um uh, magic kingdom um they've replaced it with uh stitch now 
It's now Stitch escaping, but it used to be the like Xenomorph. Lilo and Stitch? Yeah, from Lilo and Stitch, yes. He's wow. like creeping around. Yes, he is a little alien. Yeah, yeah, he's a little guy. He, he, can, he can terrorize some people if he wants, but it used to be the fucking Xenomorph. I swear it on my life because I was scarred by it going on it when I was too young, like seven or something, and uh, will could not forget that, so... Either that or my mind implanted something. But I swear, I, I remember The also- original name for this attraction was uh, Nostromo, a reference to the spacecraft from the 1999 yeah. oh, yeah. movie. Alien, hold, hold, don't get too excited. Oh, goddammit. Um, <laughs> furthermore, the monster was planned to be the titular creature, and XS Tech was going to be the uh, Wayland yutani Corporation. The idea was scrapped for two reasons. First, it was deemed too dark and frightening for a Disney attraction. Yeah, no shit. That's, that's why it happened. But it happened. Second, the Alien series were rated R. This contradicted a rule of thumb that Disney attractions supposed to be either G or PG. Although, Disney has since developed attractions the franchise uh, that hosts at least one PG-rated 13 film, such as Pirates of the Caribbean, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Marvel, and Avatar. As a result, the name Nostromo was taken uh, out entirely, and an original monster was created for the ride, and the fictional company was changed to XS Tech. Nevertheless, Disney had acquired the rights to use Alien, and thus they used it in... The great movie ride yeah. at Disney Hollywood Studios, which uses a scene aboard the Nostromo where a frightened Ripley hides behind a wall where the Xenomorph pops out of the wall uh, and ceiling to growl uh, at the audience. So you are in you're you're, in, you're either conflating. I'm, or I'm probably conflating both. Wait, but what? Uh, so what they changed? Did they change the alien then, I guess? No, it just it, it was in the conception phase that the alien license was going to be applied. And then Disney's. Uh, right, but what did they do? Because there was something. Maybe it just wasn't the Xenomorph, but it looked enough like the Xenomorph that I thought I remembered it. Uh, uh, it says, as the original story was developed, George Lucas was brought in to work on the project. The version storyline had excess text open house being a front for exposing human guinea pigs to an alien monster they had captured. If the alien menaces, the audience for a moment is revealed to be sentient and desires to escape its captors and free the guests as well. The excess scientists respond, blah, 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 blah. Um... <sighs> I just, I just wonder what it looks like. The female alien who greets guests in the first pre-show video, although her lines were voiced by a different actress. Sorry, Tim, what? Tim Curry voiced the audio animatronic robot, sir. Simulated ro- intelligence robot. Yeah, Tyra Banks is the the face, the body of a character, but her lines were but voiced But she's in an alien else. suit. In the original version, <laughs> uh, the character, Phil Hartman's character, or Tim Curry's character was named Tom 2000. And was voiced by Phil Hartman and had a much more humorous script. God, weird. Do you see the? Did you um, see what the name of this thing ended up being? Extraterrestrial <laughs> alien encounter. That's a great name. Do not. We will not besmirch. <laughs> oh, uh, that's very funny. So I need is, to see an image of what I'm the sh- fucking monster looks like. Where is it? I'm showing you. Give me. Um, I must have. Yeah, I must have just conflated. Uh, yeah. what the two monsters were because that the one in MGM does pop out from the ceiling, and is absolutely a xenomorph. I think it did a lot of xenomorph like things. I remember the breathing and like acid dripping situation. It's a cool, it's a cool ass design. I like the especially in the uh yeah. the, the, the the tube that it's in. I I distinctly remember doing. Um, I feel like my eyes were closed a lot of the time too, so this is probably yes. why I don't remember exactly what it looked like. <laughs> Okay, that's not extraterrestrial. But yeah, so. it did a lot. There was, I mean, a lot of that show is in the dark and like with flashing lights of like, oh, you can barely see it moving around, and then like it's breathing on your neck. Uh, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. gonna split acid at D-box, you, baby. but the acid's gonna be water, so you'll be fine. <laughs> it's a 4D experience. 
Yeah. So, yeah so now, this so now it's Stitch. Need. Now it's Stitch. Now it's Stitch. Oh. How we fallen as a uh, as a society? We used to be a nation. <laughs> I rewatched like three fourths of Blue Devil and Stitch with my kid over the over the break. That movie, that one, that movie. Oh yeah, like, it's, that movie's it's beautiful. Uh, like there are several scenes that are just these are just watercolor paintings. Yeah, the characters are. It's it's great. Uh, that movie holds up <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, also, one of my fun, one of the. Um, Earlier, uh, affected by 9-11 movies that I can remember. Uh, near the end of that movie, there's a big old plane that's like mm. a spaceship, but it looks oddly like a 747, and it's because it, in the original script and blocking of that <laughs> of those scenes, it was a 747, and it was flying really close through like downtown areas of that movie near tall buildings and then 9-11 happened so they had to change those scenes entirely but kept the model because it was a 3d model <laughs> so they just reskinned it that makes sense all right well we will take a uh, break and then i will let you know about the gremlining i got up to uh oh, over Jesus. holiday break okay Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Be right back though. I need to, I need to top off this nog. If I'm <laughs> oh my god, kind of keep this, keep this in. Nog? Some nog for his noggin. I love nog. Oh, I can't, I, I feel like not, not, uh, eggnog is, there's only two reactions to it. One, I love that shit. Two, that shit's disgusting. Um, <laughs> I'm on the ladder. Uh, and I think it's only because I didn't grow up with it. I think it's like, it's something that's like, I don't think I could be wrong, but I feel like eggnog is either something you're around. Like mm-hmm. it is like a, mm-hmm. it is like a fa- familial, like a familiar and a familial drink that you just, that's part of your upbringing or you've never encountered it. And when it's described to you, you react with abject horror with it, which is, which is me. Have you, uh, have you, have you tried it in all its forms? can't i just don't like like even like the mention of oh my that's look horrifying look at it. what rob look is at doing it. right now look at it that is disgusting. what do you got in there what do you got in there oh yeah oh i my stomach is churning <laughs> let me just take a hit right off this thing wow just right <laughs> out of the bottle mm. what's in it what's in it i want to know uh a little cognac mm. mm-hmm um, fair bit of bourbon. Yes, correct. Oh, oh you don't Good. say. <laughs> uh, like obviously cream, eggs, vanilla syrup, I'll, cinnamon yeah. syrup. Ooh, um, cinnamon. And what was the? Uh, that's that's nothing I got to make. I got to make a Tom and Jerry 
at some point. Never had it, but it's an old cocktail that's sort of like nog adjacent. Mm. But look at th- look at this. You got to make a lot though. Twelve eggs. Jesus. I know. Brandy rum, butter, <laughs> a whole stick of butters in here. This sounds good though. Yeah. So the eggnog I'm having is Tom Macy's. Uh, so that is cognac, uh, rum, bourbon, uh, the two the two syrups, uh, and then heavy cream, uh, whole milk, and it's a it's a modest sized recipe, uh, which is why I made it because it seemed more responsible as one person to make this recipe rather than um, make one of the larger ones, which I could scale down, but you know. Or you could just drink Sometimes faster. Sometimes scaling recipes can be dodgy. That's true. So you don't you don't appreciate my, my nog, Patrick? No, I mean, you missed our... The, the TLDR was... I, I feel like either you grow up around eggnog and have a taste for it, or you find the whole concept revolting. And there's no middle ground. There's no, there's no, there are, people don't exist that go, eh, it's all right. It's just either you think it's <laughs> you two who are salivating over it, or me who is mm. like, even just watching you... Like, move that bottle around is like, okay. Uh, <laughs> I love eggs, but not in that form. I wish I had some nog. Well, you know, Kato, uh, maybe I'll make some late season nog and <laughs> uh, bring, it, bring it down for you. Yes. Uh, it keeps. Yes. <laughs> uh, I feel like you need, you, need, you need to make the nog on camera. Not oh. much to show. It's pretty easy. Um, That'd but be, could be off to the side, a little, yeah. a little side camera of uh, Rob's, nog Rob's nog, nog station. Nogging it's it Rob's up. Nog. So <laughs> the, the, the thing I appreciate, though, is that this is like mostly booze. Yeah. And it doesn't drink like it at all. It's so <laughs> smooth. Ah, oh, so, oh uh, that's a classic Rob. That's that's nog though. That's good nog. It is. It it's is. Yeah. mostly blues. <laughs> yeah, we've taken a shocking and frankly irresponsible amount of alcohol. Yeah, rendered it dangerously palatable, and then just supercharged the entire thing with just tons of dairy, uh, which can only do awesome things to and eggs. adults. Yeah, and eggs. Uh, it's, it's it's practically healthy. You're drinking raw eggs, but it's okay because the alcohol killed everything. Yeah. <laughs> There were no survivors. None at all. Uh, so, yeah, this is what I got up to on New Year's Eve. Uh, this and uh, doing a little doing a little pickling, of course. Um, Ooh, you know. what'd you pickle? Uh, no, I just I, I made pickles, but I oh, made dill pickles. pickles. Yeah, oh, nice. I, had some, nice. I, had some, I had some cucumbers that were like about to go off and I had a bunch of fresh cucumbers uh-huh. showing up for like a salad I was making. So I was like, I know what I'm going to do with these uh, older guys. I will turn them into delicious pickles, and they're great. And I used um, these cool, these cool little like pickling jars that I bought, um, La Coue, that are that really just make it easy as hell. Because um, like you can pickling kits, it's not it's not too overbearing to like get a pickling kit, but man, I really do appreciate that these are just easy as hell to use and you don't the, and, and the problem they've solved is they've got a nice little like a flap a rubber flap sets sits over the holes at the top of the lid and so when the gas builds up it just sort of burps itself and then settles back down so you don't have the problem of like if you're pickling in a mason jar there's just the odd chance that because you did something wrong 
gas won't escape properly and it'll just blow up um, over the course of fermenting. This solves that. So got up to that. But that wasn't the only gremlining I got up to. Oh, we're back, by the way. So the <laughs> other thing went I... To break. Excellent. <laughs> um, people, well, people will hear an ad somewhere. Yeah, that'll this. be a space there. So we talked ages ago about a little game called High Fleet. Ooh, yeah. And I bounced off it. I, like, didn't quite, like, the interface was cool and all that. Like, like Austin had given a decent sales pitch for the presentation of the game. But when I started playing it, I bounced off it pretty hard. Uh, in part, just to catch you up, High Fleet is this game where it's sort of an FTL scenario where you are leading a fleet of airships um, on a run across like this hostile territory, um, this sort of rebelling duchy of this of this empire. And your goal is to sort of capture their headquarters uh, by the end of the game while you are being hunted by their fleets. But while there's a lot of like cool theme around it, initially what put me off was when it comes to ship combat and also uh, maintaining ships and repairing them uh, on your on your journey, because as they take damage in battle, um, you have to find a place to post up and repair them or you can scrap them and sell them. Uh, but the way both of those things were handled uh, was that the ships all had like lunar lander controls where you apply, like depending on the size of the ship and how much thrust it has, it has varying amounts of inertia. Um, it has varying amounts of, you know, engines of varying power, depending on, again, on the, on the ship class. And so like, if you want to land a ship, you had to play a little lunar lander game of like, having this thing falling through the level and then aim for a little landing pad and very carefully set it down. You'd have to do that again and again. And I was like, I don't know that I like like lunar landers, an old fucking game archetype. And I do not know if I'm like, man, in 2021, I want to play lunar lander. Uh, but as part of a strategy game and then in the combat, uh, if you'd like encounter an enemy fleet, You'd still have like the lunar lander controls of this thing, um, but then also you'd have twin stick shooter uh, stuff happening where your guns would be tracking other ships that are also behaving according to lunar lander controls and your various weapons would fire. They'd have different like exit velocities on the rounds. And so at ranges, you'd have to anticipate the drift of the other ship the drift of your ship and like yeah. sort of dial in the range a lot. <laughs> and again, like I'm not a twin stick shooter guy. This was like really fussy twin stick shooter, uh, bullet hell shit. And, 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 and that's what it is, by the way, it is like, we've taken the bullet hell, but now instead of being like really fast and agile, everything's moving at like battleship speeds. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't know. It, felt, it seems cool. It felt like though yeah, that in 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 bullet hell in like that sort of bullet hell usually you're trying you're actually trying and able to avoid shit. And this is it feels like meant to be more like you're going to you just have to choose which hits to take, right? Yes. Uh it is not about avoidance and if you I feel like I would go crazy trying to avoid getting shot at all. It's more like no, I'm just 
I'm go I'm well, going at them. I'm gonna go at that's, them. <laughs> there's there's some truth to that. Like for one thing, um, your bigger ships, like your most capable battleships, can't evade. Yeah. Incoming shots. Yeah. Not really. Uh, <laughs> they're too slow. Like once the enemy finds your range, you're just going to eat those shots. But they're such huge warships that like they're they're slabs of armor because there's a ship cuss. Like it's like a trifecta of shit that like I mean, yeah. I do not like ship designers. And by the way, this is the thing I stand by with High Fleet. I think their ship designer sucks. Um, it's I don't too think fiddly. It, it's too fiddly. Um, there are. Things that are critical that the game doesn't present well, like the fact that weapon systems need to be on the power grid for the ship or they won't function. There's but like there's grid? no. Yeah, there is. <laughs> but like It's not well. It's not well represented. And so like it's very hard to see like and, and figure out like how is how is power traveling across the ship? Why is it traveling this way? And every time you go in and fiddle with that stuff, you basically have to peel back a ton of layers of your ship and sort of rebuild it from the ground up. It's it's excruciating. So all the shit was coming together. And I was like, there's cool ideas here. I don't know if I really am digging this. In Overbreak, I decided to give it one last shot. You know, you're sort of sitting there being like, before I put this on the shelf, let me just give it one more, one more try. And I started to bounce off it again. And then... I posted about my frustrations on Twitter, and as you as often happens, you get some advice from people who like do get on with the game, and like it unlocked a couple things. Like for one thing, you got to spread your fleet out more. Um, your flagship has the biggest uh, fuel tanks in the game, but it's also the slowest, and so it's better as a mothership while you're sending your smaller ships out to like go fight the enemy and gather resources. Um. But once I started playing that a little bit more aggressively, where it's like, okay, this is this is a little bit more like a fleet command game that I initially gave it credit for. And there's more to it than just uh, winning these little bullet hell slugging matches. Um, the thing that the, the, the coin, the, the coin that dropped was the fact that the game actually gets very easy. If you win the intelligence battle. If you if you start moving through the game with good information and there are ways the game lets you have good information, you can capture on the map uh, different like different cities on the map have different abilities. So like there are shipyard cities where if you land there, your ships will be repaired at like three or four times the speed at which they'll be repaired at other stations. So like, man, if you've got a banged up battleship that has a huge repair coming. That's where you want to go. You want you want to go there. But there's other places that sell like more advanced equipment. And so the idea is you want to buy the good equipment there and then install it at the shipyard. Um, and then there's like enemy um, like intelligence centers. They're basically c communications relays where once you capture them, you can sort of tap in to their comms and like get up to the minute information about where some of their fleets are. Um you get five intelligence points, basically, and it recharges over time uh, until the enemy realizes that, like, the network is not under their control. But uh, basically, the idea is you can, for cost of three, you can figure out, well, where are their super powerful strike groups uh, located right now? For cost of two, you can figure out where one of their smaller support fleets is. And for cost of one, you can see where trade fleets are. But... And this is this is where I started to fall down the rabbit hole. 
there is a there's a communications intercept um, mechanic to this game, where as you're flying your ships around, um, you will you will get little radio met. You'll hear little telegram messages, and you can dial in. You can open up the radio signal station. And by the way, this is all like diegetic interface. Uh, so it looks like literally you have gone over. I just posted a little picture of this interface where literally you go over to an old fashioned radio set. You choose the frequency bandwidth you're trying to dial in on. And then you tune until you find a decent signal. And then you uh, adjust the antenna bearing to get the strongest possible signal and figure out where the message is being sent from. Uh, and then you, st- you, you intercept the message. Just make a game around game. this. Pardon? <laughs> Just make a game around this. Arguably, they probably should have. But it did. <laughs> Here's the thing. All of this game is basically, in my opinion, a wrapper around this idea. Like that all the all the 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 shooty shit, all this stuff is like, yeah, okay, there's yeah, here's some arcade stuff. You'll be commanding battleships and all that. But if you are winning it in these like shootouts, just having straight up fights, you are a chump and you are not going to do well in this game because you're just like inevitably you will take so much damage. Mm-hmm. But this game gives you the tools to get perfect information. And the way you do that is so at the start of the game, enemy forces are broadcasting in the clear. They're sending messages openly, unencrypted. The thing you have to realize is that all these units persist in the world. And they all have dedicated call signs. It seems to me they tend to operate on different frequencies. Um, and so you can start to figure out later in the game if somebody with the call sign cannabis is broadcast broadcasting um you know from previous experience that is a that is a carrier group and so they will report their information about their position or what they're doing what their what their line of movement is and then you can just go annotate like this is where they are right now this is where they're going and you have tools like knowing how fast this carrier carrier group is moving I can mark down what their possible radius is for being here at any given moment. You have little diegetic, like rulers and shit too. Yeah. You can mark things with, and you will need to use them. The map will get real busy, but you do need to start marking this stuff down to sort of help you navigate all this. Now, the other thing is as the game goes along, the enemy starts encrypting messages and the way you break the encryption is, uh, on that little screenshot I sent you, there's the decryption uh, interface. It's 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 below the uh, the tuner, where you have those four knobs uh, above, uh, like little analog uh, digit displays, and each of those knobs can be set between like one and thirty six. I want to say, um, and basically what that does is it marks how offset, um. Like it basically marks the offset for like if you press A, the letter that will be created, if it's offset by like 36, it might type zero, 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, or some or something like that. Or if it's, or it's offset by like twenty, or if it's offset by like twenty five, it'll type Z. So that's how you can like you. That is how the encryption logic works. The way you can break into the encryption is when you win uh, fleet battles, you can recover bits of their of their code uh, by raiding the enemy radio room and figuring out like, okay, so one of these little um, knobs is right now on today's code. It is set at like 15. So now you at least know that that much of the code is good, but you can brute force these things because if you've created like an index of like the various locations, which call sign corresponds, corresponds with who you can start guesstimating like, this message is coming from over here. I know there's only two different entities out there uh, that could be broadcasting right now. And you can just play with the knobs until you figure out, like, because they all have to sign their their radio messages until that part comes into clarity. And if the rest of the message decrypts, you've, bro- you've broken their code. Now you don't even need to waste time uh, stealing more of their uh, encryption info because you've already broken their code. And it's really clever because the thing is, like, this is kind of like an issue with a lot of code breaking is that the thing that gets codes broken is routine information, right? Right. Uh, So, like, in the U-boat war, uh, one of the things that made it basically futile for uh, like the Germans to change codes is that every time uh, U-boats radio their position, there's only so many ways you can disguise a like a longitude and latitude coordinates. And so you just want, if you knew there was a U-boat at a position and generally the allies did um, once it radioed its position, even encrypted. Now you, you had the the key to start breaking the encryption because you know in that message there is something that says this. Mm-hmm. And so if you just fiddle with it until you figure out how to make the message give you that information, chances are the rest of the message will be decrypted at the same time uh, because that, that small key allowed you to break the entire code. Similar logic happens here where people are like using the same call signs. So you can use the call sign to brute force your way in. They use the same message formats. And so you can like, if you know what standard message formats look like, you can guess certain words uh, that are in a message. And so this game that like initially seemed really kind of silly and fussy and like, I don't want to play a fleet command twin stick shooter, but I do want to play a naval war game. That's all about like code breaking and figuring out like where the enemy is before they can even see you because it doesn't stop there. Like you can also turn on active sensors. You can turn on your radar and start scanning for the enemy. They will see that um, active radar search produces like, yes, you are shining a light out into the world to illuminate something with radar. But also people are seeing your light is on and they know where it's coming from. And so you kind of radars kind of two ways mm. in, in that sense where like it, it both reveals enemy position, but it gives away yours. Um, and so like you can use that to your advantage. Like you have anti uh, radiation missiles that if enemy radar is in the area, you can fire one of those fuckers off along like the bearing you're getting these radar signals from. Chances are you'll hit an enemy fleet. Um, or vice versa. If you think like 
and I and I did this, like I was pretty confident that I had broken the enemy code. I knew their exact positions. Um, I had caused a ruckus at one of their cities, and I knew that they converge on your last known position. I set an ambush where I had my main fleet sort of hovering just off their line of travel, and I had a little um, like electronic warfare snooper hovering in a different direction. I used that thing to like light off its radar. It illuminated the enemy fleet. They start attacking that thing, which is the cheapo nothing little unit uh, (laughs) and also could move like hell. But in the meantime, because they'd done that, my main fleet now had their exact position and I was just able to hammer them with like airstrikes and missile strikes and basically like demolish them uh, without ever even engaging in the little twin stick shooter thing. Um, It was sort of a, a clean kill. But that's how this game works is like as you go through this, you're sort of conserving your resources and taking the time to sort of play around these little puzzles the game gets a lot easier and the balance sort of becomes clear where it's like, oh, I'm not actually meant to be just making dead eye sniper shots in this, in this weird twin stick shooter. The game is too hard for that. What I'm meant to be doing is avoiding fights where the outcome is at all in doubt. And <laughs> right. so this ended up being like maybe the greatest naval war game I've ever, I've ever played. <laughs> because like if you read about like 20th century, like, um, Naval campaigns, this is it. It's all about fuel. It's all about sensors. It's all about signals intelligence. That's the entire thing. Like, by the time, like, by the time the fighter groups are clashing at Midway, like, to a degree, a lot of things broke the right direction for the Americans in the Battle of Midway. But, like, any way you slice it, the Japanese fleet was walking into an enormous trap because they had, like, lost the signals intelligence battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's how these campaigns go. Most right. games don't know how to handle that. They don't, how do you make it fun? How do you make it interesting? High Fleet does that. They make it enormously satisfying to play around all these little gadgets and and sit there with your little like logbook of like <laughs> broadcast sign-offs <laughs> and message formats. And like along the way, they've ended up creating a game that gets things about naval warfare that like, tons of serious sims just do not because so many like your typical naval war game is like it feels like the like the game that you design by uploading stat sheets for military hardware and like having it slam into each other it's not really convincing and a lot of times it's not really interesting uh this gets it a lot of like the underlying logic of of that type of campaign and makes it and and does it in a really like satisfying and clever way. And so that turned into my game of the break where I was like, wow, the slower I play this and the more carefully I like mark down my map and, and figure out like where these guys are, the better this game gets. Um, and that's setting aside the fact that it actually has a really cool story. Um, not going to get too far into that because like it can go, like it it can go in a lot of different ways. Um, I wish you could go in a few more. Uh, there, there are some uh, some pretty firm guardrails, but what you do with the structure of the story can change a lot from from run to run. Um, and yeah, I just ended up 
completely lost to this game uh, and turned all the way around on it where I was like day one of break. I was like, I don't really get high fleet. Here I am January 6th <laughs> being like, you know, really, why isn't every game high fleet? <laughs> uh, that, that sounds like a, a game that I would be interested in playing. I I had like a all right time with the like four hours I put into that game, but I didn't end up really understanding the 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 sort of decryption very well. I well, it doesn't it doesn't encourage you to understand its importance. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like the description is not hard to understand. What is hard to understand is why you would pour time into doing it like that aggressively, right? Except that. Yeah, the simulation model of the game is like, no, we are le- we leave enough breadcrumbs out there that you can basically lift the fog of war, but you have to be willing to do the heavy lifting. Right, right. Yeah, it, it it's um, I was kind of playing. So like the the way that the the map view works on this is that you can zoom in and out, and as you zoom out, it becomes more abstracted. It becomes just kind of lines and circles. Um, yeah, and to kind of uh illustrate the 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 different ways we were playing this game when i was playing it i was fully zoomed in so i could see like the individual ships flying around right i was kind of focused on the micro level like surviving the battles uh trying to outfly the ships which i i enjoyed as its own thing um i don't um were you playing with the control you can't play with the controller on this game right Maybe I, I did not. I, okay. I'm mouse and keyboard. Man. Well, this this is this was the question. Just you, you kept using the the term two stick, and I was wondering. Yeah, sorry. Not, yeah, you're right. That. It's an yeah, it's an inapt term, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I kind of understand the 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 thought of it, but it's, yeah, it's like lunar lander with then like you can freely kind of aim in uh 360 degrees around your ship, but the like controls of the ship are very lunar lander esque, where you're kind of fighting against yeah. gravity and thrusting and um and so like i i really enjoyed uh that part of it but I, it felt like the i just kept getting i kept getting found out right like i kept i i wasn't playing the intelligence game kind of at all yeah. um i th- i figured it was maybe i thought it was more linear than it actually is it, it sounds like it's actually a little bit more open as far as what those strategies and like how those systems work play out um well uh, extremely especially because um the end a bit like ftl once you realize what the end game is it completely recasts how you're preparing for it mm. like it's one of those things where you're like all right so getting to the final objective is is the puzzle I need to solve for. And it's like, no, once you get to the final objective, now we are setting the stage for the biggest set piece battle of the campaign. But it changes what you're going to want to bring into that end game. Right. And so, like, I, I got there and I was like, yeah, I got to the end. And I was like, shit. I had this <laughs> entire thing scoped out just to reach the end, like coasted on fumes. Right. And then it's like, all right, time for the real end game. And I'm like, well, shit, I, I, I did not prepare for an end game. Right. Yeah. I never uh, even got to that end game. So I probably would yeah. have also been there barely on fumes. It, fe- I, it felt like the, it wanted you to feel the stress of those fumes a little bit. And so I kind of leaned into that. Um, but yeah. it feels like slowing down 
seems to be actually the the better way to well, play this. It's interesting. Out. So stress is part of it. Like even right. when you've got things pretty well nailed down, um, it's a really volatile game. Like if there's a missile strike group that you didn't see, you'll just be sitting there and long range missiles start pouring in and Ugh. like they're really hard to survive. Yeah. Um, and so, and as you go along, the density of enemy fleets skyrockets to the point where you almost can't move anywhere without you're running into a pretty serious force. Um, and so partly like the stress doesn't go away, but what, what does come in and once I started playing it differently is that initially I was like, this is very much FTL rules where it's like, what is the most cautious and careful and stealthy route I can take to just sort of like, dance between the raindrops here mm-hmm. and get to the end. And once I sort of figured out like, Oh, I can actually break their codes and I can figure out where all these things are at any given moment. And I can raid their trade convoys for money. Um, you can actually become the biggest fleet in town. Right. Like my, like my fleets at this point, like, and they are fleets, like <laughs> there are like multiple now independent multi-capital ship fleets um, sailing around this desert. And like each of them blots out the sun. Right. <laughs> and so like oh, and each God. of them is sort of sending strike craft off in every direction. Right. So like once you start to realize, like I can just push these systems, it, tr- it goes from like, oh, it's FTL. How do I get my little carrier to the end of the game? Right. To how do I turn this thing around 180 degrees and just fuck these dudes up? Right. Right. See, I, uh, yeah, no. I definitely didn't think that was where it was trying to lead me. So I, I, I played it the more cautious, like I have to, this is about sur- surviving and just surviving and not like, no, you're, you want to build, you want to build, you want to get bigger. You want to become the hunter basically. Yeah. Yeah. You do, yeah. <laughs> Uh, especially because, like, the more stuff you kill, um, like, you kill an enemy strike group, it's not like the game spawns another one. Uh, right. They're just gone. And so your route, just by definition, has fewer, <laughs> like, enemies between you and the destination. Right. Because, like, oh, yeah, I killed those dudes. Um, so cool. anyway... I think like I would love to do a uh, meaty tactical Tuesday around this because yeah. like I would love to have you like command a fleet and I can just offer advice, do a little <laughs> code breaking. We can co- yeah. like work with chat to to like figure out where everyone is. Um, and I think I think playing with this new understanding will be able, like I think I think you'll see like how much more interesting this game is than its initial, like what it teaches you in the tutorial. The tutorial does like just the tutorial teaches you the rudiment, teaches you the rudiments of the game. But you know how there's always that second order thing where it's like, what is the conceptual framework I should right. have to play this game? Right. The tutorial doesn't give you that. Yeah. It wasn't until like, I was like, I don't get this game and I don't like it. Uh, the people were like, well, here's how I play it. And I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> I can play it that way. And indeed, I can and do and then some. Uh so yeah, we'll we'll have to give that a little shot uh maybe hopefully next week. Uh and we can uh fall down that fall down that little rabbit hole. I'm I'm a little leery of uh I can only imagine the speed and efficacy with which like 
Twitch chat would would shatter enemy codes into little pieces <laughs> while we're sitting there trying to like guess what the message says. That's, um, that's, that's half the fun great. though. Playing a playing a puzzle game on stream is just an exercise in frustration for the audience. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna yeah, be great. it'll uh, it'll be inscription tenfold uh, in some ways. Like yeah, by the other day <laughs> I was like, man, how inspired by the Enigma Machine is this little code code book thing the answer is not very uh if you start looking up the the enigma uh code system you realize like fuck that was a hard code to break what a <laughs> what a what a wild little machine um good thing those good thing good thing polish intelligence broke it before world war ii started uh anyway so that's high fleet uh we may come back to that on a stream uh before too long uh patrick you had mentioned that you yeah. had the experience that a lot of people, I think, had with Halo Infinite, which is, did I get really shit at Halo <laughs> uh, in the intervening years? And I, did you restart on on normal? Uh, yeah. So when I uh, I got access to Halo Infinite early in like mid-November and this was like a we I think we've mentioned this on podcast before, like like it was that version was a ticking time bomb. It was like this game will explode when Halo Infinite goes on Game Pass and you either need to beat it or don't. And I was like, ah, I'm not going to do that. So I played up to like being able to write about it. And I was like, I'll get back around to that at, at some point. Um, and when I played it uh, in the preview phase, I was like, I know that I'm older. I got less time. But like, hey, little me is like heroic difficulty. Like that, that is like, I'm like, I want this extra challenge. Like Halo's combat is frequently like a mixture of, frenetic action and like puzzle like you're like it's it's like that that's what i remember like playing like especially like halo one two and three uh back in the day and you know they've gotten away from this language uh i believe at some point um the way it's meant with to be infinite. played yeah the way it's meant difficulty. to be played. yeah yeah and like what i mean like the, the general center there's like like look hey we need to sell this game to like the widest audience possible but like the way we've tuned it for ourselves, the way we think like that, like if you, if you want the like the quote real challenge, like put it on this difficulty. There are better ways to phrase that, but like that's what they were trying to communicate. It was like, hey, the normal difficulty is like, you know, it's a little more of a, of a pushover. And so I always played it on heroic, really appreciated like that level of pushback uh, from the game and played infinite and was like, all right, like let's do this. And what I discovered playing Halo Infinite was like, oh, shit, shit, I'm dying all the time like i am just getting my ass wiped in like opening areas and there'd be like good reason to for that to just be natural attrition of like i don't play these games nearly as much anymore like old halo games like we used to have competitions between our friends where it's like how long can you last playing on like halo uh legendary solo and like that's how often we played it was like we knew the games top to bottom to the point that we could be like get through whole campaigns legendary is meant to be played with co-op like that is really not meant to be played by yourself and uh so like i'm gonna try and you know re-experience that with infinite to to some degree and was just i mean you you would get across some of these snipers and like you'd walk into a room like zunk like just done like and um it became the way i played like the four or five hours of infinite back in november was it was a it was a puzzle but the puzzle was like how can I just like eke out these tiny wins, like working my way around like the top of a structure, hiding constantly? I wasn't really using the grappling hook because there wasn't enough time for me to 
spend using it. I was just just desperately trying not to die. And so my thought with when I revisited it, uh, you know, I was trying to catch up to where I was. And I was like, well, I'll put it on normal difficulty. And then I was like, I'm pretty sure you can change the difficulty later. Um, so I started on normal. And what I found very quickly was I was actually having like way more fun on the quote unquote normal difficulty. I've since learned that they've actually like sort of tweaked how they do that stuff. And like normal is closer to old heroic um, and like then heroic is closer to old legendary. And then legendary is like good luck. Um, I don't think it's as, as simple as that, but I, I was reading that they've tuned things slightly differently. Um, and the normals is so much more fun because like, I am just like, zipping all over the place like using the grappling hook how it feels like it's meant to be used which is like as this tool that gets me around the place i'm actually having i responded like okay to those those opening hours i replaying the same opening sections over the past couple of nights i had three or four times as much fun like i i was just like like actually like yelling like we as i'm like working my way around like (laughs) zip lining into fucking brutes and you know they have this upgrade where if you uh there's the first upgrade to the the grappling hook uh well there's like three like one is the cooldown is faster two it electrocutes them so it kind of zaps them as you're as you're uh, approaching and then three uh is if you hold down the melee button as you're zip lining you like ch- like charge up this mega punch and just fucking wallop like whoever you can like take out a brute in one shot and then if you upgrade it from there, it does like a shockwave that like uh, resonates out. Um, I'm just having a great time. With it. Like I have like no great insights other than uh, I, that difficulty was not for me. And uh, the, the one down makes me feel like I'm playing more of the game that is like intended to be experienced, which is like a very agile like version of Halo. And one in which like reading how this game didn't always have the grapple hook. Boy, this game would be a lot less huh. interesting Without it, like I, I struggle to understand how this would be anything more than just we hit big on silent cartographer. Well, so it's funny because I, I don't think I ended up including this in a piece, but I like talked to a couple of folks at at three four three, and I remember asking about the origins of the the grapple hook, and it it came out of a multiplayer uh like prototype, and then the single player team saw it and was like, well, I wonder what that would be like, and then that kind of got pushed into being like a big part of Halo Infinite, which of course then forced a bunch of level designers to go, uh, um, <laughs> how would that, that seems like it would sequence break a lot of things, especially if you're talking about like the more linear stuff as opposed to the, to the open world. Um, I mean, there are, well, I guess, I guess it's sort of like, is cause the opening hours, uh, gives me such, um, like literally the first level, Feels almost like a clone of the Leviathan in uh, Taken King, like sure. literally the hangar you land in. I was like, yeah, yeah I recognize <laughs> these rub- these rubble piles. Like literally, uh, this is this is how that opens. But it's like they've kind of sw- they've kind of Swiss cheesed a lot of the level structure where it's like now there's yeah. there's tons of gaps where like dudes are up above or below. Um, and it man, if I na- have a grappling naturally- hook, yeah, it doesn't naturally flow. It feels like it feels like a What's interesting is playing Halo Infinite uh, just goes to show like how like Halo 4 and 5 are just such a waste of time. Uh, (laughs) And that's not that's not to denigrate like the work that those people put into it. But if Halo Infinite is like it's actually it feels like an original idea um, where it's like, hey, we're taking Halo, putting it in a different context. 
like it makes me so like reading uh i think jason schreier had a piece you know some like just before the the break that was like halo infinite was like two or three times bigger than what it is now around the time that it got delayed in like the summer of uh 2020 um when it had the really poor reception it had like different biomes and like all the stuff you're like why doesn't this game have like it did and then they realized like we are never going to ship this game unless we get it out of there but this feels like and i'm i'm now since like pretty far into the second area of of the game like it's so easy to like playing four and five i was like i don't know what we're building towards other than you just continuing this story and making it more convoluted but like i don't know why we're here um and infinite i don't care about the story at all but look like the way it plays i was like oh i see where we're going like and i see where we go from here and it seems really fucking exciting like whereas with like four and five i was like i don't know what we're building on like the next one is just i okay i guess we're building another uh, you know cortana and, and chief off on another adventure and here's some set pieces and some new weapons whereas with this it's like well the grappling hook the bigger space you know, no, it doesn't, does it exactly flow together? Not at all. Like it feels like it's a bunch of things mashed up, kind of barely sticking together, but they stick the landing on the idea. And so I like could not be, I'm I'm excited to see where the rest of this goes, but I'm like one, I'm like tremendously disappointed whenever the game is like time to go into a halo level. And I was like, that's not, I'm not, no, no, no. Like let's stay out here. Like just chilling. Like I got, Five of my boys with me, and we're like, we're gonna roll up to this camp and fuck some shit. Like, I somehow got two of them rocket launchers. Like, good luck. Like, have fun with my boys. There's girls too. There's a gender diversity in the uh, was it the UNSC? Is that the, uh, the 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 military outfit in those games? Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, I but cold ones can be cracked open, uh, regardless of the composition of the squad. Exactly. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I'm just having a much like. Like it's making me better appreciate like what is here, what is interesting. And I'm, I'm having like a, rather than playing it for perfunctory reasons, uh, I am having like a genuinely great time with it. And I think it actually for, it it took three, four, three, (laughs) a decade, but I think they've laid down like a really fascinating foundation for where the series could go from here. And again, I haven't seen the back half and whatever, but like, just like what they have here in this big space is like, oh man, like it is just not hard to imagine <laughs> doing really cool shit building on on what they have here. Even if it is quite literally just silent cartographer, but like, what if big? Um, oh. and that's fine. Like big halo with the the verse like the added verticality, like it is actually fundamentally more interesting than I would have given it credit for. Um I think you know, I'm prior to this point. Yeah, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, I, the rudest thing they did was make that campaign have, give you like, you know, you have infinite grapple hook and in the multiplayer, it's a pickup with limited uses. I'm yeah. so mad about that. I actually, I actually wish the grapple hook had fewer limitations in the campaign. Yeah. Uh, frankly, um, the cooldown I wish didn't exist. Sure. Like there are so many times where. Uh, when you just fuck up an easy jump and then you miss time the grappling hook and you're just yeah. like, no. no. Yeah. And that part's, that part's funny. And I think would still exist like because the game is so silly. It's part of the things that I didn't realize how much I appreciated about Halo that is missing from so many other big, serious, like AAA shooters. Like 
Halo is like both deeply serious and also completely silly, and it allows those two tones to exist simultaneously. It's like the gameplay is silly, the story is serious, and it it's like unconcerned with <laughs> and the grunts like, still say ridiculous shit. <laughs> oh, and they're great. The grunts are so, so well written in Infinite. It's, it's yeah. like the best the grunts have have ever been. Um, oh yeah, and I, I have a small beef there. Yeah, um, okay. When you're doing like figure out your surround sound settings or or just any surrounds. When I get subtitles, mm-hmm. I am clearly missing hilarious grunt conversations that somehow the subtitling is picking up. It's like, yep, you should be able to hear this. Yeah. And I'm like, are there even grunts around? I don't hear <laughs> shit. There's nobody any, anywhere <laughs> near the me. the fuck are they? Yeah. Um. So just like that. And also, I swear to God, like another game does the thing where it's like, here are two completely out of context screenshots. Use these to calibrate your HDR settings. It's like, I don't know what that's supposed to look like. I just click confirm and go, <laughs> all right. Hope I'm that just, works. You know, hey, just if tune I, this if so I, you if don't I, lose I, detail. I, well, as if, if you live in ignorance, you can't know if it looks bad. Uh, hmm. is, uh, that's is how that how works. I, <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm trying well, to I don't divine. Know that Rob, I, I don't know that Rob, who cares a lot, is in a better situation because instead he's just driving himself mad <laughs> trying to figure out what he should do. Yeah, please tell me what your Skybox box artist wanted the clouds to look like, and then maybe <laughs> I can dial this in. But at the moment, I'm completely at sea uh, on this. Um, I will say, like, I think... Like just my initial impressions are uh, for one, I think the um, the grappling hook does a really good job at making playing Master Chief feel a lot more like being cutscene Master Chief, where yeah. like cutscene Master Chief is just this fucking like um, you know Tom Cruise in the nightclub in Collateral, right? Where it's <laughs> like just gunning people down, smacking one, two in the head of the other, moving on. Um, and in the game, it's always been like. Okay, well, zigzag in and out of cover and like wear the shields down and like kill guys with the grappling hook. There's a lot more like I'm just going to whip around behind that guy and shoot him and then I'm gonna whip whip onto the platform and kill those two guys. And that's kind of cool. Uh, digging that. I think it also distracts me from the fact that like, man, as a character, Master Chief is a little more plotting than like. He's a little more plotting than a lot of the shooter characters. Uh, are at at the, at the stage like he's just there's a lot of inertia with with, with Master Chief is, <laughs> is 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 how he feels. Um, I don't know. He's just not not particularly nimble. Uh, I guess you know he's got an armored suit, right? But I was sort of I was I was sort of struck by like yeah the, the, like movement in this series still feels deliberate and smooth in a way that like a lot of other shooters have gotten a, like have tried to make movement feel a lot more kinetic, I would say. Mm-hmm. Even here where you've got like Master Chief can go into a slide and like slide for cover. It's like a little bit, but man, he he hits a baseball slide the way I do, right? Where his <laughs> ass just goes down, he, he scoops a long couple feet. Yeah. Uh it's done. Um but the 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 grappling hook without changing up the way Master Chief moves makes him feel and makes those spaces feel really dynamic like in the in the opening level the comparison i was coming to a lot was um like doom eternal really 
where it's like, yeah, these are really like, look at this, look at this three layered uh, command deck that I'm fighting on and uh, zipping around. That's that's surprisingly cool. I'm I'm sort of pleased that they keep seeding new enemies in here, and I can keep. Well, and like, it's, it's just like it's so satisfying to enter a space where, like, you see. There, there are a few uh, shooters that have as satisfying a sniper laser as as the Halo series, I find. And, like, when <laughs> one of those lasers, because they don't shoot immediately. Like, they come up on you, and you've got a moment to kind of react. And every shot, even on, like, the, the normal difficulty, will at least take your shield all the way down. And then on Heroic, it's basically, like, a one-shot mm-hmm. kill. Like, you just really can't can't take the hit. Um, but it's so satisfying in in this game specifically, in Infinite, to be like, that happens, and you're like, Oh, I'm coming, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, I got, I see you and all oh, you're all the way up in there in your tower. Like, that don't mean shit. And I was like, I'm coming. Like, like Master Chief, like, pull, it's like, and I don't even use the sniper rifle. Like, I'm coming with the auto shotgun. Like, you know, like, yeah. like, and I'm up there and I got him. And that feels really good because it changes your relationship with very familiar enemy types mm-hmm. in, in a way that, um, like, if you imagine the game absent that is just a lot. Like even, you know, like the, you know, the, 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 I forget all the enemy type, but like the, the ones that hold up the shields, right? Like the, the fact that you bop them with the, the jackals. Yeah. <laughs> you bop them with the, the hook shot and then you, you can zoom in in there and get, I mean, it's just little tweaks like that where it's easy to imagine, uh, like the other tools that they could give Master Chief that like allow you to play, like just change that play space in your relationship with things that are familiar without actually fundamentally altering like the core of what. Halo is um, or isn't. I just, ah, that's just, it's, I've enjoyed that. It's very um, funny to play this being a Destiny player because that's what they, that's what Bungie did, right? All of the, yeah. like, uh, you you find all the same archetypes and different skins. They still have the, like, you can hear the sniper laser coming in on you and you, you, you have that moment to, like, dodge out of the way. But in that game, they gave you the, the, the double jump. The second jump always carries, gives you momentum in Destiny, uh, except for Hunters. Hunters have worse jumps. Sorry, Hunters. Uh, <laughs> but everyone, all the other ones, the Warlock and the Titan both have um, have that extra movement, right? Like, that's what, and this feels like th- this is that evolution just in a slightly different way of like, okay, here we're expanding uh, Chief's kind of uh, movement aside from, like, they had that one dash one time that was like, was that five? I forget. I remember Maybe. like playing I've, some I've like purged, beta I've or those games like from my from my memory. <laughs> um, but like it never felt right because it was like either too limited or like I don't know. Like it it didn't it didn't hit the same way that this grapple hook hit has hit. Yeah. And I don't know, I've I've been enjoying this one a lot more than I than like the small very tiny amounts of time I ever touched four or five at all. Man, it's a good thing Master Chief has all these new abilities because he's up against his uh, toughest adversary yet. Uh, Gaul from the Red War uh, <laughs> has arrived in Destiny, and he's Fucking taught the brutes Christ. that uh, <laughs> apes strong together. Apes. Uh, <laughs> sorry, apes together strong, uh, and that's and that's totally uh, you know turn to the order of the universe oh, on its head. Fuck. Is that where all those stolen NFTs are going into? Oh, uh, oh my God. <laughs> Wait, this game, my apes are not gone. They're in, they're in Halo. Infinite. <laughs> please, Christ. please help. Mess. Apes gone. <laughs> please, please help. Uh, 
UNSC dropship looked good. Master Chief came out. All apes gone. <laughs> Please restore my apes. Um, by the way, Patrick, you'll be thrilled to hear. <sighs> I was like, I should probably, you know, I should prepare for this so that Patrick doesn't just have to talk about Halo to himself. So I was like, I'm going to play a little mm-hmm. Halo Infinite. Yeah. Before I can do that. You know I gotta finally Which, fire up that Master Chief collection. Oh, oh okay. I thought you downloaded Halo Wars 2. You haven't no, even no, opened no. that yet. So, two things. Two things real quick. This is all sure. old information, but who gives a shit? Um, one, Halo Master Chief collection, in order of priority, at the top of the list, first campaign that suggests you play, Halo Reach. Shut the fuck up. Shut the uh-huh. fuck up. Get the fuck yeah. out of here. I rest my fucking case. No. Okay. Fucking no. My, my approach Wrong. to doing the 101 canonical <laughs> recognized by the keepers of the Halo lore, mm. 343 Industries, uh, mm. who they wouldn't fuck something like this up. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, 343 they famously recognize. hasn't fucked up any parts of the Halo <laughs> lore since they've taken on the games. <laughs> Two. The Halo 1 anniversary thing where you can hit the options button and flip between the new graphics and the old Mm. is Mm -hmm. fucking awesome. That is an incredible feature. Also really highlights the degree to which the remastering stuff they did and reinterpretation of the levels was a disaster. (laughs) Um, Oh, no. Like playing through... It goes beyond... It's not... It's not like... Just the aesthetic choices where it's like, I don't like how these uniforms look in the higher res. That that doesn't matter. It is that the Halo 1 graphics, in in terms of the lighting, in terms of the atmosphere in every scene, it is a consistently darker game. Mm -hmm. It has, like, much more of a mood in every environment. Um, There is a sense of style and atmosphere. You go into the remastered graphics, all that gets blown away. It's wild. Like the Pillar of Autumn, the opening escape from that game. Uh-huh. Uh, the Pillar of Autumn in the original graphics is kind of this dark, forbidding maze in some ways. Yeah, the yeah. models are simple, but the idea is like you're aboard a dying starship and like enemies are sort of looming up out of the darkness. Yeah, there are rooms um, in that. I Here's the thing. I've played just that opening like a million times like that's the only like the first hour and a half or whatever of the halo one is the only halo uh, that i've played aside from multiplayer um that there are entire rooms in that area that are like fully pitch black and then you're seeing into the next room that has lights in it right but like yeah you're like walking through darkness for moments of just like when the remastered version it's like they put in like fluorescent floods everywhere and they're like hey you want to see some Griebling? Look, <laughs> like, look at no. the Griebles on this wall. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a military starship, huh? It's got all sorts of shit on the bulkhead. Mm. We love it. Uh, it's very then, funny like, because they do the same tricks in Infinite's opening. There are moments just like that in that first like initial uh, jumping off of the, the ship area where, yeah. where I was like, oh, I remember from the the the, cup, the the many times I've played that first level that this this is how that looked uh, like the kind of uh, neo lights going on and off and chaos going all around. But this time I have a grappling hook. <laughs> um, the other thing, and and it, it even extends once you make Planetfall. I'm kind of amazed. They kind of in the remastered. 
you know how the, the moment of Halo, the thing that really, like, I, I think holds up, but also when you played it, like, back in the day, was a legit holy shit moment, and, like, maybe this Xbox is all right, and maybe this <laughs> is the future, is, like, you step out of the crash spaceship, and you see you see Halo, right? You see the ring world extending up into the sky, and it's 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 a beautiful shot. In the remastered version, they've added so much, like, volumetric lighting and cloud cover between you and and they redid the texture on the on the ring that like you kind of can't see halo very well you kind of get out of the spaceship and it's like this makes no impression on me whatsoever it just it's it's like you walk out into a haze uh and, and so it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing where like I, I i appreciate that they left like the idea that you can just toggle between uh, the two, like without any lag, is really cool. Yeah, really appreciated. Also, completely highlights the degree to which you shouldn't play it with the new graphics. <laughs> like they're, it, it's just it's it's kind of a a, a misfire of an approach uh, to to updating that game. Uh, and I think there there's a, there's a direction that you you could have gone that that would have worked, but like. You'd have had to be a lot more consistent with like the lighting choices and atmosphere choices they made, and and then they just didn't. They, they kind of whiffed on it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Patrick, I'm I'm now double fisting. Uh, Halo One, Halo it's Infinite, never never served you wrong. And wow. you know what? Um, I got to figure out where that pillar of autumn come from. <laughs> Why were they being chased from Reach? Hmm. How did how did the covenant find them so quickly? Maybe I need maybe I need to start my reach campaign too. Rob's Rob's gonna do his own waypoint one oh one. Yeah, just him playing the Halo series by himself. We're not gonna join him. Like this is not an announcement or a. T- Rob's if Rob does this. It's, he's he's on his own. Um, I mean, given the honestly, things we- I've been mean I've been meaning to just fucking do it anyways. So I will be I'll be yeah. there with them. On accident. I don't know though. The way thing the way things have been going on on some fronts, maybe we just de- need to experiment with the one man show format though. Yeah. Uh, just see, like, can I have a conversation with myself about Halo? I think I probably can, and like, I think everyone would love it. People be like, you know what? I'm glad there's no other voices, but Rob's here. <laughs> I think, man, he's he's so fresh and original. He's having thoughts about Halo nobody's ever had before. <laughs> I definitely didn't hear these same conversations six years ago bring you these takes fresh out of the oven except uh, well fresh out of the oven and and out of the uh, cellar where they've been aging <laughs> we have to go like immediately but i want to end this uh with uh we don't have to go to e3 no e3 yeah they're saying because of omicron don't mm. believe that. Don't believe that spin um, we were gonna have the best <laughs> show ever don't believe his lies so are they still because doing online they- e3 because so many other companies realized during COVID they do not need E3. Uh, we need to, we're going to E3's again. Yeah, they're doing an online only one. I don't, I think it's, yeah. Well, see so you all at go. PAX, I guess. Which actually, which is a little bit of a bummer. I like, <laughs> I, I want an excuse to get together again and at E3, whatever it's bullshit. Oh, uh, we're going to find some excuses. We can, we can watch some cool trailers online. When's the next, when's, when's the biggest Nintendo Direct of the year? Maybe we can all be in New York for the big Nintendo Direct. Yeah. Well, I thought we were going to visit you in Boston. You got to come up. 
You know, that's that's what we should do. We should uh, we should when, shoot when is, something out of my apartment. When is PAX West? East? East, not West. Are they doing that, too? They are. Dude, that's... that's. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they are. We'll are they still go. shooting for the spring? I mean, I guess, like... I think it's March. When the infection rates come down, they'll probably come down fast. It's still. not even that yeah. far... February 27th to March 1st. Absolutely not. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not oh, wait, sorry, that. sorry. That was last year. Sorry, that was last year. That was last no, year. No, yeah, April 21st to 24th. April, oh, okay. April. Okay, that's better. We might be... We might even be able to. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what happened? We would probably just go to if if we did something, we would just go to New York. Anyway. Yeah, just come. No, or you just we have like we have house. so much expensive equipment that we need. You to guys do. have so much right. fun. <laughs> we got to get out of here. You got to do your. Oh right, 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 right. right. Uh. <laughs> You'll get there. Yeah, I can feel your mouse scrolling. <laughs> Well, that's a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more Waypoint, you can follow us at Waypoint on Twitter, uh, Waypoint Vice on Facebook and YouTube. You can follow me at Rob Zachney Patrick. You can follow me at Patrick Klopik. Kato. At A underscore Kato underscore appears. Uh, for Waypoint Plus listeners, we're going to be watching, uh, we're going to be discussing The Matrix Resurrections uh, next week with Gita. So uh, if you haven't, you should maybe check that out. I recommend checking it out via HBO max and maybe not going to a theater at this juncture, but uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I can merely give you the best advice I can. Uh, that sounds good. Or if you want more waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. That gives you access to our premium feed. And it also helps us uh, put on our streams uh, last year. I think the, the, the biggest and, 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 most ab- absurd one we did had to have been the inscription streams. They took on a life of their own. Uh, I left something behind in inscription. <laughs> Certainly something has been taken from me, uh, but it is, it, it was a ton of fun and I uh, hope we can fall down some other interesting rabbit holes this year. So once again, that's waypointplus.com. Theme music is by Bowen off the uh, EP Pale Machine. The track is Miss You. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. That's us. Calling it a week. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, fuck capitalism. Stay home. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.